This is the Lord's word. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. Good morning, everyone. Everyone, I hope you get a little bit warmer in here. It's good to see all of you on this Sunday morning this week um, before Thanksgiving. For those of you who are students, I know that the semester is coming to a close very quickly. Uh, for those of you who work, the holidays are approaching and the stress level changes in, in many different ways. But we are here, as always, to know that the Lord is always the same. And that every year when we go through examination periods, every year when we go through the holidays, that our heart should never be, well, I guess this is going to be the same old, same old. But the Lord grants us second, third, fourth, or fifth chances, if I could say that, uh, to learn how to study in the fashion that honors God, to love people in the midst of the stress of our tests. Uh, for us, when family comes nearer and and you know, old things are talked about again in family relations, that, that, that God gives you grace and God gives you mercy uh, to speak about in such a way that honors him. Um, he never changes. His love for you is steadfast, but neither does he allow you to stay where you are. Think of the seasons as God's way of giving you another chance to grow in your faith, to love in such a way that, well, that will please the God who loves us. In our passage today and, and next week, we're going to go over something that's hopefully that we here as adults can, can talk about in such a way that's honoring to God, that's sort of real to ourselves, and in a way that will bring about an understanding and a uh, a worshiping of God that 
delves with the whole self. Um, Tim Keller was asked this question, and he said, what is the one thing that prevents people who do not know the God of the Bible to, to know him? What's the one obstacle? And you might think that these New Yorkers would say, well, it's, it's power, it's money. Or perhaps they say, well, just intellectually, it just doesn't make sense to me. But what Tim Keller said was very interesting. So in the culture today in New York, and, and I think a little bit here in our world, that the number one thing that prevents people from seeing or pursuing a relationship with God is sex. Is that the common person doesn't want to give up their sexuality, describing who they are sexually, but also being active sexually as well. That their sexuality is such a huge part of who they are that what the Bible teaches about sexuality, it's over against what they want to practice, that they don't want to or seek to find a God who controls them in that aspect. And so if what he's saying is true, and if you know people around you who do not know God, and perhaps you yourselves are maybe struggling with sexuality, that God himself is not a God who sort of destroys your sexual identity, but God himself is the one who redeems it and uses it for his glory and for your own good. There are not many drives that we as humans have that are stronger than sexuality. The strongest one perhaps is hunger, <laughs> eating, and drinking. And then that's why Paul begins here. He says, I have the right to do anything. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. And he goes on to talk about food. He says, you say food for the stomach and stomach for the food, and God will destroy them both. And he's talking about the fact that we as, as human beings, we have this drive to eat. You all do. I see you eat. And God has shown us that in this New Testament era that Jesus has declared all foods clean. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, you Koreans out there, you can eat your live octopus and no one can judge you. You can eat anything you want and no one can judge you in the church. And God says to us, listen, all these foods are permissible. The appetite of hunger that I've given you, you may satiate it with whatever foods that are out there. And you may enjoy it. Now, usually he says, you know what, you shouldn't abuse that as well. You know, we, we need to stay healthy. We need not be gluttons about food. We, we must not be controlled by food. But that desire, that appetite that we have, 
is probably the strongest appetite we have because it's the appetite for survival. But the second strongest appetite that we have is our sexuality. And Paul addresses that here. And he says, this appetite is very different from the appetite for food. He says in verse 13, the body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. God is trying to, to show us that the range of appetite that we have for food is given to us by his grace, and it's wide. But the appetite in our sexuality is still narrow. And that narrowness has to do with the fact that our spirituality and our sexual appetite are so intricately tied together that to go outside of those bounds could potentially destroy your relationship with God. Now, there are some people who would actually like to believe that the inner self, the inner man, the spiritual being that I have is all that God cares about. God only cares about whether I, I worship him or don't worship him. God only cares about how well I follow him and I don't follow him. But for some reason, we as Christians, we start to separate the body from the heart. And we start to make this separation by indulging in our, bottle, in, in our bodily appetites and seeing that as completely something different from our spiritual lives. Now you may ask, how do you do that? And, and to be honest, theoretically, I don't know how you do that. I don't. But pragmatically, this happens all the time for us as Christians. Christian people also wrestle with how do they deal with their sexual appetites. What do I do with my, my body? What do I do with the hormones? What do I do with my desires that I have? But before we get to that, of what we should do, let us look at why sexuality is so connected with our spirituality. He says in verse 14, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will also raise us also. God is saying to us, there's a goodness between um, our inner self and our outer self. God does not simply save our spirit. God saves our body as well. 
He goes on to verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? He talks about the fact that, that our bodies, that what dwells in us is Jesus himself. He also goes on to say in verse 17, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in the spirit. In other words, we're, we're united with the Father as well. And in verse 19, do you not know your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. There is this understanding that within our body dwells the triune God. And that's dwelling with the triune God in us. That is connected with our body. That makes us who we are in him. Your body's not separate from your spirit. Your body and how you use it affects your relationship with God. He says that if you unite yourself with a prostitute, you become one with her. The two become one flesh. That we are not to unite ourselves with anything else that is contrary to who we are that would defile the temple that is in that is us with the dwelling of God himself bought at a price i hope many of you already know that the way you live the way that you control your sexual appetite has a lot to do with the way that you live your life for the Lord. And I want to address both the men and the women here very succinctly. For the men in our room, we know that God has made us in such a way that if the Lord wills it, that one day you will be married and you will be united with your wife. And that in that union, that covenant, is where God's appetite of sexuality is, is supposed to be fulfilled. Where it's supposed to be good, we're supposed to, to, to um, fulfill its purpose that we have. Now for many of you who are wrestling with that, of, of what to do with that, you must realize that God has given you, can I say this, there's a way out. God is, says to us that there are some of you who will have the gift of not being married. What does that mean if God says to us that you have the gift of not being married? It means that your sexuality does not define you. Let me say it again. Your longing for your fulfillment of your sexual appetite and the fulfillment thereof is not what defines you. And you might say to yourself, but then why did God give this to me? 
God gave this to you for you to long for something greater than the intimacy you might have with a future spouse. You're longing to be fulfilled. You're longing for the, 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 the pleasure that is there. Rest in heaven and what God longs to give you. And so if you're a man and, 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 and you, you don't know what to do and you have these urges and they, and they come up in you, yes, a cold shower will help for three seconds. But what must you do? You must go to the Lord and say, Lord, you know I have these appetites. I know you are good. If I am to be married, so be it. If not, at this point in juncture, teach me to live for you. Teach me to see heaven in these desires that I have. And men, if, if you fail, and you entertain these thoughts, and you act on these thoughts, Run to the Lord for forgiveness as fast as you can. Because the appetite, our sexual appetite is such that once you start fulfilling it in a way that's not meant to be fulfilled, you will go back over and over and over again. And you must run, you must run to the Lord and ask for forgiveness as quickly as possible. This is why I love when it says here in verse 18, you know, when someone asks, well, how do I deal with sexual temptation and stuff like that? Verse 18 is flee from sexual morality. Just run away. Don't think about it. Don't try to rationalize it. Don't try to figure out a best plan at this point. Just run. Just run. Perhaps for some of you, it's, you know what? No more rated R movies. No more rated R movies. But whatever it is, is that we are saving our bodies for either someone God prepares for us or simply our save our bodies for Christ who redeemed us. You are no longer slaves, men, to your sexual urges. You are no longer slaves to your sexuality. No matter how much the world tells you you are, no matter how much you feel you are, you are not. You can say no and you can wait can honor God with your body. This is different from your hunger appetite, is it not? You have to fulfill it, you have to eat. For us as men, and for those of you who are who are who are who are not married, 
you can say no. And it's okay. For our women who are out there, it's, it's, it's our, our culture is so topsy-turvy right now that it's, it's so hard to, to really describe sort of what's going on because I'm not a woman. And, but I, I would urge you as well that you're, for most women that I see, there is a sexual appetite. But the way I see it expressed is less sort of um, graphic. But for women, I see women enjoying romance. They enjoy watching Korean videos. They enjoy watching stories. They enjoy watching the idea of love. They enjoy watching and understanding the notion of being loved. And that sexuality is a culmination of that love. And not simply sex for the sake of sex itself. For all of you as well, I urge you to recognize your sexuality for the good it is. But to recognize also that that doesn't define who you are. But the definition of who you are is someone made in the Lord's image. And that desire you have for companionship and the, and the love of a man can actually only be found in God himself. Marriage does not self, solve loneliness for, every, for anybody. Only God solves loneliness for us. Now, all of you, men and women together, we might say, well, this is like unrealized potential. It's like, aren't we all meant to get married? Aren't we all meant to have children? Aren't we all meant to, to enjoy this appetite that God has given us? And unfortunately, the answer to that is no, not really. And for some of you, it might be a real mourning of that. But then turning to Christ to see the goodness in the Lord and his love for you. Scott Sauls in one of his books, he, he talks about, um, oh, sorry, this, app, this um, uh, article he wrote on homosexuality. He talks about a friend that he has, a same-sex attraction, but a man who loves Jesus about it. He's a man who loves Jesus. I'm not talking about someone who just says he's a Christian. He's a man who loves Jesus. He's a man who's at church all the time serving the body of Christ, doing everything he can to make Christ known. But he's attracted to men. He has no, no desire to, um, you know, to do to date a woman. And Scott Scossals was recounting the story with him, and, he's, and this, this, um, this man said, you know, I came to the point where I realized that this part of me will never be fulfilled. Never. And I have to live this life 
knowing that my desire, the same sex attraction is not only a sin, but my sexuality can never be fixed and my sexuality can never be expressed. And I mourn for that. But my joy is in Christ and in following him. For us here, we can't make marriage something that's, that, that's the end all of end all of the church. We can't make being able to sexually express ourselves to be the, the thing that defines us as human beings. But it's God's love for us who bought our bodies at a price that defines who we are. Brothers and sisters, manage your sexuality well. Do not be afraid of it. Do not be imprisoned by it. Do not think that it can con that it controls you. But God has redeemed your body by His Spirit. He has given you the ability to control this appetite and use it in such a way that brings him honor. Do not believe the lie of the devil that says, and the lie of this world where people say, well, you, you're still a virgin? Really? What's wrong with you? You're more than whether you have a sexual experience or not. Do not believe the lie of this world that tells you that you need to express your sexuality in order to be fully human. That's, that's, that's not what the scripture talks about. But instead, see yourself as a child of God who's been given this desire and offer it up to the Lord knowing that the Lord himself knows what is good for us. Let us honor God, not simply with our minds, not with our hearts, but with our bodies, our whole bodies as well. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. And Lord, we come to you as your people and we ask of you for forgiveness, Lord God. For Lord, we have let the uh, appetite of sexuality, Lord, um, gone awry, Lord. Uh, Father, believing, Lord, that it's just something that just happens, too hard to control. Um, and Lord, some of us may even see sexuality as something that's evil or something that is not, not good, Lord Jesus. But Lord, help us, Lord, as we get a hold of our bodies, Lord, or whether it's our appetite for food, or in this case, our sexual appetite, to bring it in line with you, Lord God. For Lord, we are more than food, and we are more than our sexual desires. We are children made in your image. We have been given the power by your spirit, Lord, to, 
to know that we've been redeemed and loved by you. And that same spirit, Lord, gives us the ability and the courage, Lord God, to use and control our appetites in such a way that brings honor to you and peace to our own bodies as well. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.